This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Welcome everybody uh, to another edition of AA Live. I'm Tony um, and this is the radio show that uh, looks at recovery through the Alcoholics Anonymous program. Uh, and uh, tonight I've got two, I've got actually got two co-hosts tonight. Uh, Mike, welcome. Hello Tony, how are you? Yeah, good, good. Uh, and how's your week been so far? Fantastic, thank you very much. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had a blinding migraine all weekend. Well, that doesn't sound too good. No, it's not too good. and It doesn't make you feel great, but on the other hand, I have a program to live by, and so through the pain, I grip my teeth and say, you know, got to accept the things I cannot change, and I, I got through it, and now I feel pretty good, thanks, and I feel, I feel even better for being on the show, helping you out with this marvellous program. Well, it's nice to have you here. And Jan, welcome. Hey, nice to have you with us tonight. <laughs> Hi Tony, Hi Mike, lovely to see you both today Hi Jen I mean this evening, I suppose my day's already been and gone really <laughs> Well Mike, would you like to kick us off uh, with um, you know, with uh, the next part of the show? Yeah sure, sure Tony, uh, that'd be a privilege uh, In AA folk we share our experience, strength and hope and so we tell individual stories and we oftentimes speak from our own experience and so everyone's different and uh, everybody has some rather remarkable experiences so not everything that we say will gel with your experience but what we ask people to do is understand that um, uh, you need to hear the similarities and not worry about the differences and the opinions expressed on the show are our own AA does not speak for anybody else and this is reflected in our preamble which tells us something about what the program is and what it isn't and I'm going to read it out now Ahem. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics Organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, wonderful. And I think, you know, folks, as we do in, uh, in our meetings, I think it would be good if we started um, a show with the Serenity Prayer. Hmm. God, 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 grant, grant me, me the, the Serenity. serenity. To, to accept, accept the, the things, things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Jen, we'll throw it over to you. You've got something you want to read out. I do. Thank you, Tony. Look, whether or not you're an alcoholic is not determined by where you drink, when you started drinking, how long you've been drinking, with whom you drink, what, or even how much. The true test is in the answer to the question, what has alcohol done to you? If it has affected your relationships with your family, friends, former or present employers, if it has influenced the way you schedule your days, if it has affected your health, if it determines or affects your moods when not drinking or your state of mind, if you are in any way preoccupied with alcohol, 
then the likelihood is that you may have a problem. That's from the pamphlet of AA for the older alcoholic. It's never too late. Yeah, I like that reading, and we, you know, mm. folks, we've read that out before, but I think it's succinct in the sense that it, you know, um, alcohol is a funny drug. It, it kind of tells us that we're okay when we're not. Um, you know, uh, from what we see from the inside, using alcohol and what people see on the outside are two different things. You know. Um, it tells us that we can jump in a car and we'll be fine. You know, um, it does all sorts of crazy things in our mind. So, you know, with that being said, um, it's very hard to come to terms with is alcohol a problem? And I mean, I struggled that for many years. It's taken me 46 years. <laughs> I must be a slow learner because it's taken me 46 years to work through that issue. And, um, you know, I think that, that those sorts of readings help me sort of zero in on, on, gee, you know, I have a problem. You know, my relationships are suffering. People are on my case about my drinking. My mm. boss is going, why didn't you turn up yesterday? <laughs> and I've, and I've barefaced lied to make some excuses, like I've been sick, you know, like I had the flu. Um, you know, well, what, what are you, what are your guys' thoughts on, on, um, on I agree reading? with you totally, Tony. It's not actually until you sit down and look at yourself in that respect. Um, you know, do I wake up in the morning and I, I used to wake up and think, no, I'm not going to have a drink today. And then by you know midday, I'd be planning it and, yeah. and, uh, and I'd be working out where I was going to get it. Was it going to be a bottle store that knew me? Was it going to be which one did I go to last so they won't recognise me and think that I have a problem? <laughs> you know, you're constantly hiding. Uh, a supermarket every issue. day. Yes. Yeah, Some super- of you folks out there will know a supermarket <laughs> every day and know what that means. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not not a not a good thing. And and so, I think one of the strongest things you can do, <clears throat> excuse me, is to admit to yourself that it is taking over. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. it's become unmanageable. Hmm. Any, any thoughts, Mike? Oh, sure. Um, always a thought from this uh, <laughs> from this corner. Thank you. There is, folks. Trust me, there is. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I, when 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 I started drinking, I I thought that I discovered the elixir of life and the the panacea for all problems. All I had to do was drink. It was a magic carpet ride to paradise, and I absolutely adored it. And over the years, I'm one of those people that never, ever, ever in years of drinking, never once thought I'm drinking too much or I should cut back or how can I hide my drinking it was there for everyone to see because it was the one thing that I thought that I was a natural at in fact I was a natural (laughs) at it it was the one thing that seemed to work and whenever things didn't go well or I got into trouble with alcohol my my solution in quotation marks was always to think, well, clearly I'm not drinking enough. I need more of this stuff. If I just drink harder and faster and pour more petrol on the fire, then the flames will go ever higher and I'll be happier. Mm. And whenever I was miserable because of drink, I used to think, well, I'm just clearly not drinking um, hard enough. And whenever the boss said to me things like, I'd turn up at work hungover and unhappy, and if the boss said uh, that you're work is substandard and I want to see an improvement you're not working fast enough or efficiently enough I would think things like oh don't be so bourgeois don't be so middle class <laughs> I mean oh let's get real here I'm a bohemian I'm an existentialist I'm the the outsider you know I'm I, and, 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 and so this uh, boozing just, just I, I created my own subculture of one <laughs> 
and lived in it and it was sad and pathetic and when it stopped it was overnight because I got the fright of my life one night but yeah um, drink dominated every thinking moment of my life yeah yeah I mean I'm you know, I'm thinking there'll be people out there, and um, and I I actually understand this that that are binge drinking, that are drinking maybe once a month mm. or once every several weeks or a couple of weeks or a mm. week, and just for mm. a day, and go well, you know, I haven't got a problem, mm. Mm. Um, and I think that the reading that Jan read out cuts through that stuff because it's very hard to realise that you know um, I don't. People get a sense that alcoholism is it's, it's a daily drink, it's a daily drunk, and it is for many people, but it's not always the case. Uh, there are alcoholics of many types, and mm. um, and binge drinking is a type of alcoholism mm. um, that, that I think in many ways is harder to spot because a lot of the mm. time people aren't drinking. But when, when a person does drink, what is it that happens? Mm. And um, and that's the real test, and mm. that's what that reading really is about. I, mm. I you know... Um, yeah, so yeah, what I think we'll do is uh, let's take a wee break and uh, hit some Arctic Monkeys uh, live from the Royal Albert Hall. Not actually live, but um, they are recorded <laughs> live. Uh, so let's have a crack at that. Well, Arctic Monkeys, this is I bet you look good on the dance floor. Don't believe me, I.
Welcome back, folks. You're listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. Um, yeah, Jim, would you like to uh, introduce our spirit lifter for today from our daily reflections? I think I'll give that to Mike, actually. You go for it, Mike. Oh, sorry, Mike. Yeah, no. Yeah, Mike was already in. You were zoning the day today. That was where we were going, wasn't it? Oh, there we go. Well, that's that's lifted my spirit. Look, he hasn't even had a drink and he's lost the plot. (laughs) I blame it on the migraine. Yeah, Mike. There we go. Hi, listeners. My name's Mike. I'm still an alcoholic. That's right. Well, it's a daily program. And so we we have a book called Daily Reflections. And each morning the, the diligent AA wakes up and says... Thank you, God, for today, and thank you for my sobriety. And then they generally turn to the book of reflections and read uh, read a, a spirit lifter. And today is January 26th, and the topic is rigorous honesty. And it continues. Who wishes to be rigorously honest and tolerant? Who wants to confess his or her faults to another and make restitution for harm done? Who cares anything about a higher power, let alone meditation and prayer? Who wants to sacrifice time and energy in trying to carry AA's message to the next sufferer? No, the average alcoholic, self-centred in the extreme, doesn't care for this prospect unless he or she has to do these things in order to stay alive. And that's from 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 24. And this reading continues with, I am an alcoholic. If I drink, I will die. My, what power, energy and emotion the simple statement generates in me. But it's really all I need to know for today. Am I willing to stay alive today? Am I willing to stay sober today? Am I willing to ask for help and am I willing to to be of help to another suffering alcoholic today? Have I discovered the fatal nature of my situation? What must I do today to stay sober? Yeah, thanks Mike. That's a great reading, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, it is just today. We're only talking about today. We're not looking ahead for the rest of our lives. We're all, you know, we're all working on our, our recovery uh, in this 24-hour period, you know, um, and sometimes, you know, the next hour, you know. Mm. Um, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, no, thanks so much. Um, yeah, Jen, sorry, there's so many people in the studio this morning, I'm a little bit confused. <laughs> Jen, we've got this uh, lovely excerpt, haven't we, out of the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book. Would you like to... Yes, thanks Tony. The Alcoholics Anonymous big book is something that we follow and and try and read as much as possible just to help with our direction and this is from the doctor's opinion. Of course an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor and this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. We believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all, and once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that, while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false, 
To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable and discontented, unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful, with a firm resolution, resolution sorry, not to drink again. This is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. Gosh, that is so true, isn't mm. it? That's an amazing reading, that one. Yeah, yeah, it is, Jen. I, I appreciate it too. Um, and um, yeah, folks, this is this is uh, Dr. Silkworth. Uh, for those that know, um, Dr. Silkworth was a friend of of the AA Fellowship uh, in the, in the thirties, um, and it was his. You know, um, he worked with alcoholism at that time, and these were his observations that that um, you know are still relevant today. And you know, it's nice to get a, a medical opinion. You know on what this is because all too often you know people see it as a moral issue that this guy hasn't got any willpower or you know what I mean why can't he get it together but it's actually a medical issue Um, there are medical physical things going on and um, I've heard it being said that it's a it's a a physical allergy coupled Mm. by a mental obsession Mm. uh, and the two are jammed together which produces a person who um, you know uh, can't leave the alcohol alone you know um, yeah, yeah, any thoughts, guys? Oh, look, it's the insanity of alcohol, mm. isn't it, really? Uh, I, for years, tried to, why can't I drink like a normal person? Yeah. Why can't I mm. put it down? Why do I have to keep going till there's none left? Thinking I had no control over myself, and it was such a battle. Mm. And, uh, yeah, just mm. uh, um, you become quite downtrodden with mm. yourself about it all, too. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I felt that. I mean, I I would negotiate with this thing and say, look, I'll only drink. I had this sinking feeling all the time, but mm. <laughs> I would say, look, I'll only drink when I'm at a party, or I'll mm. only drink on a Saturday, or I'll, you know what I mean. And 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 the cravings made me a laughing stock mm. every time, and mm. it just bewildered me why, mm. when other people don't seem to be able, who don't even want to drink, why why am I? Why is this such an overpowering? Uh, sensation going on in me and you know it took um, you know hitting rock bottom and coming along to AA to listen for something new that I began to discover those answers Mm. you know Mike what do you think Oh sure. Well, I enjoyed that. Uh, thank you, um, Tony. Well, I enjoyed that doctor's opinion, and in, in a sense, I'll use the medical analogy too. Uh, my parents were both alcoholic, and in the sixties, they used to have AA meetings in people's homes in those days. And alkies would gather at forty-five Lancaster Street in Palmerston North, and <laughs> my mother would be making pots of tea and coffee, and all these wizened-up old men of thirty or forty would be. <laughs> You know, I thought they were ancient. Of course, they were young. Um, would be smoking cigarettes and filling the house with a fug of smoke and talking about their alcoholism. And we kids would be sitting in the other room to watch TV or to bed. So we didn't actually listen into the meetings. But the point I'm coming to is that I thought that um, I'd been exposed to alcoholism. And so I thought, well, I'll never become an alcoholic because I've been vaccinated. I've seen the cure mm-hmm. in action, you see. And so when I succumbed overnight to alcoholism, uh, 
no one could have been more surprised than me years later to realise that I was an alky. But I used to drink and I used to be subjected to beatings. I used to, once or twice I dealt out a couple. Um, women would be running for the door when I entered the room at a party. Um, I'd, um, I remember one night a friend of mine and I were sitting on the couch and I... Uh, we were trying to chat up the same woman and she was so appalled by us that um, when she left the room, we lunged for her and we were lying on the floor grabbing her ankles trying to, no, don't go, don't go, you haven't, you, haven't, you haven't seen the best of us yet. And um, she was just, ugh. And um, so all these humiliations and, 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 and humiliations and piled upon one another and, and, and the absolute no dignity, the absolute stripped of any mm. dignity um, and the pitiful and what we call incomprehensible behaviour that I indulged in, it never occurred to me, I was powerless, it never occurred to me that there was something wrong. Mm. I just thought the rest of the world clearly hates me. I'm a suffering martyr who's been subjected to you know, totally unacceptable behaviour by an unjust, unloving, uncaring world, and my only comfort is alcohol, and I'd better go and drink some more, I thought. So... Yeah, it was just it was just pitiful and uncompre- incomprehensible behaviour, mm. and, and 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 whole pubfuls of people would not talk to me, for so, and I could never work out why. The fact that I was obnoxious and rude and aggressive when I drank uh, never occurred to me. I just thought I was the life of the party, but people had other parties to go to. <laughs> Poor old me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that's it. I mean, you know, and we don't, you know. Um, you know, yeah, we're not here just airing our dirty laundry on public radio. <laughs> what we are saying is, is you know, we're, we're trying to, we're, we're we're being honest. You know, we had to come to a place of honesty where we could actually see our behaviour for what it was. Um, you know, and we, you know, we know that our stories will help others that are, are not quite there yet. Um, you know, I, I think too that you know there's such a culture of drinking, and I, I and I'll even just go from last night watching TV. You know, on the TV, I must have clocked about seven alcohol ads on on TV, and I don't want to make a political statement, but you know, we're just bombarded in our society about drinking. I think that's really as far as I want to go. And of course, when you're surrounded by it, it all looks fairly normal. Um, And I mean, that took me a long time to get over too. The normality around me, I I watch people drinking with impunity. And I thought, you know, well, why, you know, and it took me a long time to realise that that alcohol was a where if if being the question if others could drink alcohol was such a toxin to me that that it, it caused um, an antisocial behaviour you know what I mean and I couldn't I could never drink it safely and that took a long time to see through you know um, you know and I guess that's what our reading that uh, Jan read out about getting no sorry about Mike read out about getting honest with ourselves you know starting to see our behaviour for what it is. Um, mm. You know, and for a long time I had people around me, employers, I had family members, you know, hey, you're drinking is is a problem, I've got a problem with it, and I would just ignore it or um, drink more. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I didn't want to hear that because I, I, I thought alcohol was getting me through life. You know, mm. if you had a life like mine, you, you needed to drink. <laughs> it's fascinating that, isn't it? Mm. You, you can... Uh, for me, it was uh, people People never really said anything to me because in the end, I was doing it all quietly. 
or mm. I had surrounded myself with people mm. of the same behaviour. Mm. So it didn't stand out. And, no. uh, you know, you can be going along through that time, or for years it was for myself, where you don't really see anything wrong with your behaviour yes. because you've purposely... Yep. Mm. Worked your system that way, so yes, there are right. there are the correct people around you, not to make you feel like you're standing out. Mm, mm. You do it in secret, uh, mm. and that that secret when you do start doing it in secret, for me personally, mm. it meant that uh, I mean that was a real low. Mm. That was me really not being honest mm. with myself. I yes. think that walking into the mm. doors, the first time you walk into the doors of an AA meeting, is your first step of honesty. Right. I thought you meant. I thought. Sorry, I thought you meant walk into a door literally and get a black eye and think. Oh, oh I've goodness. done that a few times. I, I Not the black eye, but the <laughs> walk into doors. The, 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 so, so, sorry, Tony, I didn't mean to butt on. Well, no, no. I'm just saying, well, and that's why we're on air. We're, we're, you know, um, we, the you know, bruises. Yeah. If, you, if you've had enough, mm. you know, do something different. Come mm. along to an AA meeting, but we'll mm. talk a little bit more about where to find those later. Sure. I'm thinking. Let's let's um, head off for another track, and uh, this time we've got the Verve Bittersweet Symphony. Hmm.
Welcome back, folks. You're with AA Live, um, and this is an association with sorry from our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. Um, today, I guess if the show has a theme, I yeah, it's definitely on step one that we were that we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become um, manageable, um, and that's the first step in the twelve steps of recovery. Uh, and Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I've got another reading, and this comes out of a little book called As Bill Sees It. And uh, it's called Pain and Progress. Years ago, I used to commiserate with all people who suffered. Now I commiserate with only those who suffer in ignorance, who do not understand the purpose and ultimate utility of pain. Someone once remarked that pain is the touchstone of spiritual progress. How heartily we AAs can agree with him, for we know that the pains of alcoholism had to come before sobriety, and emotional turmoil before serenity. Believe more deeply, hold your face up to the light, even though for the moment you do not see. And I think that's a wonderful little reading Mm. um, that comes out of a letter, um, and also the 12 steps. But, um, you know, uh, I guess another cliche would be it's often darkest, mm. you know, before the dawn. Mm. And, I, I, you know, I, I got to a point where uh, in my life I was lying in hospital um, thinking this is it, you know. Um, mm. Never for a moment believing that it was actually the first day of my recovery, you know. Um, and, you know, it's it's been quite a journey um, in a very short space of time even. So... Mm. Um, yeah, um, what was Mike? What was your, what was the point that you realised that you were powerless over alcohol, or was there, was there a series of points that that sort of got you into what got you to to an AA meeting? I guess is my question. Well, uh, thank you, Tony. Well, a miracle got me to an AA meeting because it was a miracle that I heard the message or heard a message, and of course. This is so often the case. I got the message when I least expected it and when I wasn't looking for it. Uh, what happened was I was very, very drunk one night and I was watching my TV. And my TV was my best friend and my electronic babysitter. And I used to watch absolutely everything from the shock of the new to play school to the news, documentaries, Coronation Street, which I loathed. Um, anything, <laughs> documentaries, David, David Attenborough and I was watching TV one night and I was very drunk drinking this spirits or rye, I forget which called Mattingly and more from a giant container like a mother's breast and I was suckling away at this at this, um, at this um, enormous decanter of, of, of booze and anyhow I was watching TV and the miracle was that my TV could only get one channel, Channel 2 so that's all I ever used to watch and they had a documentary on alcoholism which I hadn't been meaning to watch because I never used to look at what was going to be on the TV and they were interviewing a woman who was in Poirua Mental Hospital and she said when I drank I was looking for oblivion and when I found it it was nothing like I thought it would be and her version of oblivion or hell was that she was in Poirua Mental Hospital under care 24-7 because she had lost a short-term memory so she'd put a meal on the stove and turn away and forget it was there and burn the house down or go downtown to go shopping and she'd forget what she'd gone downtown for and forget to look in the pocket uh, to find the note and so she had what's called a wet brain or a Korsakoff syndrome which is brought about by excess alcohol and when she said I was looking for oblivion 
I suddenly realised that I was too. I was looking for an easy way out. I wanted to die. Life was so hard, so difficult, that I just wanted to keep drinking until I passed out with an alcoholic uh, poisoning and didn't wake up. Or perhaps I'd fall asleep drunk with a ciggy in my hand and die of carbon monoxide poisoning. Anything but have to wake up and face the terrible reality of living. And so... When I heard her story, I realised she was telling mine, and I suddenly saw that if I continued drinking, then I would face my own form of oblivion, and it wouldn't be an easy death. It would be, say, slipping on a a brick path, banging my head and winding up a tetraplegic and being hand-fed with a spoon and a flannel around my arm or a napkin around my neck um, in a a special ward at Burwood for the next 40 years before I died of pneumonia. So at that instant, I realised that booze was not for me and that I had to give up. And from that moment on, recovery became an absolute must. And that's why after trying to dry out on my own, uh, I once more drank again, realised I was an alky, and reached out for help. And someone said, you've got to go to AA. So I did. And I thought, well, here I am. This is where I'm meant to be. And I've never looked for an, another solution. I've never looked for another answer. I've never gone elsewhere for, 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 for a recovery. AO's where I wound up. AO's where I stay. Uh, AO's worked for me, and I hope it works for you if you have an issue with booze. So that's about where I was at, Tony. Yeah, no, lovely. Great. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Mm. And Jen, you've got any thoughts about, you know... Well, Well, thanks, Tony. It astounds me at what level we push ourselves to with our drinking, Mm. to where we we, uh, threaten everything in our lives, basically. Um, For myself, I was 25 when I was first told I had an issue with alcohol, and I said, yeah, thanks very much. I'll go off and I'll just try and drink like a normal person. Mm. Uh, And... um, and I did that for 25 years with bouts of sobriety in the middle of it uh, during that time. But, you know, three years was my longest. My f- most frightening th- thing that brought me into AA at the end of it uh, was that I had the... the um, I could have lost the most precious thing to me uh, and I put that person in danger as well. Uh, and the whole concept of that all of a sudden I realised that every day I was doing that and uh, it was a bit of a whack in the face really and and I don't know what to this day drove me into the rooms of AA or even looking up when the meeting was it just happened and um, before I knew it I was sweating profusely with clammy hands walking into an AA meeting Mm. Uh, and it's um, yeah I'm incredibly grateful for it now but I I do like step one um, through January because it's a reminder, and for me, little things still pop up every day, um, depending on you know what daily reflection says in it, things that I hadn't thought of yet, and um, it's it just comes out of nowhere really. It uh, certainly wasn't a plan to give up drinking; it just happened because something terrible happened. Mm, um, yep. It's uh, quite a bizarre thing. Um, I wish I had planned it a lot earlier, but I, <laughs> I wasn't quite onto it. The the insanity of alcohol had me, and that was it, really. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's mm. important, guys, to hear 
to hear your experiences um you know um and you know at an a meeting i guess that's what it's about it's about mm. those sharing those experiences that mm. we had with alcohol and and what happened um you know um i for me i had to lose everything i think i had a pair of shorts and a singlet <laughs> mm. you and had I, that and much I'm, and i had that much and um you know i'm lying <laughs> in a hospital bed um that's where my journey started um and um you know uh it, it was it was you know, um, yeah, I, I, it was such a profound experience, you know, alcohol would lead me to almost strip me of my life, you know, um, and, um, but it was the thing I needed to wake up, you know, now that terribleness, you know, came sobriety, one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, um, you, I've heard it said, and I think it's true, you know, it's not an easy ride, but it's a hell of a lot easier than what I was doing, you mm-hmm. know, um, and um, you know, for me, I didn't instantly get to an AA meeting. I I had been in touch with AA in the past because, um, you know, an alcoholic of sorts will usually run into AA <laughs> at some point in their drinking career, even if it's under duress. Mm. Um, but you know, I returned AA because it was the only thing still there in my life. You know, mm. um, that I'd been introduced to many years beforehand. Uh, but either felt too strong in myself or didn't want to know or, you know, um, and, uh, you know, the time needed to be right. And um, so I'm certainly, I'm a grateful member today. It's given me um, a new life and a wonderful life. Mm. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's an amazing program. It's um, interesting you say that, Tony, that... that uh it was the right time. It was just you had to wait for that time to come along. It's, mm. uh, it yeah. fascinates me that we all come in at such different times. You mm. know, I was forty nine, um, yeah, 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 and and <laughs> that I finally realised I needed this. But uh, and it's you're giving me a life I mm. couldn't have dreamed of. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and I lost. It's that level of what you think you can lose, I suppose. Mm. For me, I, I'd lost a marriage, I'd lost a home. I'd actually watched a good friend die mm. from alcohol, mm. and that didn't stop me. Um, yes. You know, it's just insane mm. uh, where you can take <clears throat> yourself to. I think, too, that a lot of people out there think they're not ready for step one or ready to admit defeat because they're not sleeping on a park bench. Mm. And they're yes. not. Um, they're not. They haven't lost a job, or their wife, or husband, or mm. the family car, and they haven't. They haven't gone low enough. But <clears throat> uh, I was reading a short story by the great um, American writer um, Annie Prue, who wrote the Shipping News, mm-hmm. and she was writing a short story about these people who are completely disenfranchised, and they live in trailer parks, and they drink Budweiser, and they throw <laughs> the empty cans onto the ground in this story and these little children of you know, toddlers, you know, wearing nappies, uh, who are stressed because they know their parents are unhappy and stressed and financially strapped and living in less than ideal circumstances. These children pick up their parents' stress and what they do is these infants were picking up Budweiser cans and huffing, you know, smelling the fumes mm-hmm. because they saw their parents getting chirpy and happy and garrulous when they drank. And oftentimes, and so they were huffing away and smelling the fumes and then drinking the dregs to get high. Mm. And she made the point that these children are alcoholic. Mm. They are actually addicted to booze. You would think, how could they be? They haven't drunk that much. 
it doesn't matter how much you drink or how little no. it's the effect it has mm. and these children were actually full-blown alcoholics so if anybody thinks they have to drink for 40 or 50 years and yeah. wind up on a park bench you know just give some thought to these 18 you know month two-year-olds who are fully-fledged alcoholics seeking out empty cans to get a whiff of that good stuff yeah, absolutely. That's you know this thing's shrouded in a, in a lot of mythology, isn't it? Um, mm. You have to be a wino on a park bench. Mm. You know, you have to be homeless, uh, but it's not. You know, we've got people in all sorts of um, places mm. in society that are alcoholic. Mm. Um, you, you'd be surprised. Um, mm. It's it's quite a deceptive. Mm. Um, illness, you know. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I don't know about New Zealand. I haven't seen it myself, but in America, they have. Uh, you know, young people of 13, 14 coming into AA meetings, you know, not, not you know, more, 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 more meetings geared for young people. But these are kids who have got into trouble with alcohol and they are alcoholic and they're 14 years old. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, you, you've got two things going on. You've got that, the symptom that's inside the person. Mm. And, you know, uh, I guess it comes into a perfect storm mm. when the alcohol, the actual external alcohol mm. is introduced into that, that, that psyche and system. Mm. I mean, I can think back to a child being given innocently at the time. Mind you, I come from a big drinking family, you know. Mm. Uh, I would say that we all suffered from alcoholism in mm. one form or another. And um, I remember having shandies. Uh, as a child mm. and going mm, and I remember that warm feeling in my mm. stomach you know mm. something even as a little child agree, you know and just uh, <laughs> you know there was that, that perfect storm it, it, even as a child had um, well it's joined. that allergy <laughs> yeah. that goes back that's to being right, allergic really, to it, it, so it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'm thinking it was in my teenage years or not no it was way way yeah. back that, mm. that right. this thing had formed um, yeah. and you know and uh, you know I yeah you know I can remember vividly as a child that's right I'm talking, you know, six, getting mm. a little shandy and, mm. you know. That's right. As, and that's a, a common practice in New Zealand, you know. Well, 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 that, that, well that puts me in mind, in mind of another memory. I had an uncle who was an alcoholic. He used to offer me drinks. When I was about 14, he offered me my first cigarette. <laughs> yes, have we all met someone like that? Folks, and I looked up and never looked back. <laughs> you, know, right. you know, a glass of booze and a cigarette, yeah. heaven. You know. Yeah, 13 going on 35. That's right, know, all yeah. I needed was a V8 and a woman. <laughs> God, that took you a while to get to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the universe needed to slow you down, Mike. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's a profound thing, I think, to, um, to, um, to come to terms with this disease, you know. Um, I mean, I would often think, I, I you know, I, I, I want to be anything but an alcoholic. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, um, because I had a prejudice against what it was. It took me a while to come to terms. It took me, what, 46 mm. years to come to terms with what that meant. Mm. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's something that hides mm. in our families and our lives mm. and, says, and says it's other things, mm. you know. It says, I haven't got enough mm. money, so that's why I'm miserable. It says, mm. I haven't got a flash car or, mm. I, or the dog died. Or, <laughs> but it's actually, you know, it's what we do to cope mm. with those things in life. And if drinking mm. is a problem um, for you out there, like it has been for us, then um, there is definitely a, um, a way through that. And, and that starts by coming to your first meeting of mm. AA. You know, and, and what will you find when you do? Well, you'll find a whole lot of ordinary people. Mm. That's well, even we didn't 
I find all the time I'm meeting people who also thought that to be an alcoholic was to mm. sit on the park bench mm. with a brown paper bag and so there was no way I could be one. Yeah, uh, yeah that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get us wrong, folks. I mean, it got me to hospital. I spent mm. a lengthy time in hospital. Um, mm. You know, it will get you to a park mm. bench. Don't get us wrong. That, that mm. is a symptom of, of what happens. Mm. But but uh, it's not the only outlet, if you like. It, mm. uh, there are many forms of it, and uh, and it, and, it, and it kind of wants. It's a chameleon. It sort of hides alongside mm. something else, and, and it says it's something else as opposed to it's the drug. You know? Uh, I, you know, you know, we had the doctor's opinion earlier, and 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 I want to continue this medical analogy just a little bit further, if I may, Tony. Yeah, no, sure, uh, sure, just very briefly. Um, you know, things like lupus are autoimmune diseases, and they eat away at the internal organs and damage joints and cause inflammation and heart attacks and so on and so forth and impair the functioning of, of physical limbs and uh, organs and I've always thought that alcoholism is a, an autoimmune disease of the soul and the spirit. It's a disease that that tells you that you're no good so you might as well drink and then you, it tells you that the drinking's doing you good because you've got to feel you're feeling better. Mm. Uh, but as, as, as I say it's an autoimmune disease of the of the spirit and the soul and it's it's a it's a cancer of the soul, and and I do believe that these days when I'm feeling grumpy and out of sorts and miserable, uh, which isn't often, but I'm only human, and of course I have my mm. off days. Yeah. Um, I just say, well, this is the disease speaking through me again, and you go with the flow. If you can't cheer up today, or you know, you'll you'll cheer up tomorrow. But at least I haven't kicked the cat or slammed a door in, a, in a, you know in a, in a long, long, long time. In fact, I actually, actually, folks, I never did kick the cat, but. Um, <laughs> I have slammed a few doors in my day, and um, in fact, one time I was trying to leave a room and make a big dramatic exit, and I went to slam the door and had one of those armatures on the top that stops it from slamming. So I tried to slam the door and didn't let it go, and it just dislocated, almost dislocated my shoulder, you know, and the door did not slam, you know, so I was in a great deal of pain for no good reason, but there we have it. <laughs> Thanks for that, Mike. You know, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, you got to watch those uh, dramatic exits, don't you? <laughs> I, yeah, I've come a cropper on those um, as well. It's, um, you know, yeah. Uh, look, guys. I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here, you know, um, to talk about you know this drug that that travels with us in society, and everybody thinks it's. Um, you know, it, it does a bit of harm, or there's a few people out there that can't drink. Well, you know, we're here to say that um, it's a very powerful drug, and um, it, it has caught um, us as a society out um, almost on a daily basis. And mm. you're not powerless. There is something that you can do uh, about if, if it's uh, something coming up for you and your family. And I guess that's why we're on here. Um, you know. Um, Are there any sort of last words, um, ladies and gents? We're coming to the end of the show. I'm just wondering Mm. if there's been something that, you know, sparked your imagination. Um, Well, well, I just find it almost inconceivable that we're sitting here laughing about it. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, when I was drinking, there was nothing much to laugh about. And when I did that with the tears of a clown in the alley, you know. But but here I am laughing um, about it. I mean, it's like... um, these dreadful things have happened, and I look back and go, "Four, yeah, that was certainly an Nantucket slow ride, wasn't it?" <laughs> Actually, I have to agree with you. Mm. I was at a meeting last mm. night, and we were all standing mm. in the kitchen, 
having a cup of tea and just raucous laughter mm. about situations that we found yeah. ourselves in. And mm. uh, one of our members actually said, you better be careful, somebody will think you're having fun. Yeah. And mm. it's, um, it's, it's, uh, quite a, it's such mm. a uh, fellowship yeah. uh, and the strength that you gain from it. That's one of the biggest things I've found uh, That's for right. myself. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, um, tragic sometimes, yes, but I mean, mm. out there, um, you know, um, at the pub or wherever we might be, you know, um, some would call us the life of the party if it was mm. going right. You know, um, you know, we're not a glum lot, you no. know, as a personality or as a group of people, if you want to call it that. Um, we're, we're certainly not a glum lot. Um, you know, the alcohol brought us to our knees, but that's certainly not my experience. I've never felt better mm. or more alive. Exactly. You know, from dealing with this thing that had been travelling with me all mm. my life, and mm. I hadn't, you know, and it was cunning, powerful, and baffling, as they say, mm. you know. Um, you know, it is a wonderful thing to be sober today. Mm. It's a real gift, isn't it? Absolutely. Right. Can I just quickly share for one minute sure. what, what happened? Yeah. Great. Well, uh, folk, um, how did I come well? Well, I was in my cups. I was miserable one night, early sobriety, not drinking, going to AA, and I was miserable. And one night I surrendered, and that's, you know, step one. I, Well, actually, step one, two, and three. I, You know, I can't, he can, I'll let him. And um, I just surrendered one night and prayed, and I said, God, what must I do to be happy? And uh, the reply came. I heard this voice in my head saying, accept yourself, love yourself. You're okay. You're viable. And with that came this incandescent sense of self-worth and self-acceptance and self-love, which I'd never embraced before, even though it existed. And that just shunted out any need to drink. So really, um, the, 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 the recovery too can, can, can occur, as Tony said earlier, you know, when it's darkest before dawn, when it all seems lost, sometimes you can be saved. And it's always good to just believe that you know you're worth saving yeah no thanks mike that's thanks, brilliant mike. yeah no, no i really appreciate that and um you know it's probably a good time to um to you know remind you out there that if you want to drink that's your business but if you want to stop you know we can help as a group of people mm. um and we know it like no other because it's had us on the ropes um, you know, and and you don't have to do this alone. Um, and I, I truly believe that you'll know tonight who you are, you know. I certainly um, understand that despair. I understand enough. I've had enough, mm-hmm. you know, and I can't see a way forward. Well, here's the way forward. And, you know, it's as simple as uh, picking up the phone and ringing 0800 AA Works. And that's 0800 2296 757. And you'll actually meet another human being who uh, who understands that pain uh, on the on the um, other side of the line, and the, you know it, it may be that you just want to have a talk about the way things are going, or you you might be resolute and you want to come along to a meeting and check it out, um, you know, and that that phone number can help with that as well. Um, alternatively, you might like to go to our New Zealand website, and um, and that's www.aa org.nz and that's uh, a website uh, that's the national website for Alcoholics Anonymous and there's all sorts of things on there that you might wish to, to have a look um, and this may very well be the beginning of your recovery um, you know I just want to encourage you out there tonight that if you're in pain and you're hurting um, you know that's where all of us have started this wonderful journey of life Mm. Um, we've been there and mm. that's why it's terribly important that you get in contact with us um, because we, we, we get it um, you know 
And um, I just want to thank, um, you know, my uh, awesome co-hosts tonight on the show. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate your input and help. Thank you. Can't do it alone. Thank you, Tony. Thanks yeah. for the invite and, and uh, yeah. the good little chat and the laugh that we've had this yeah, evening. Yeah, I've really enjoyed well, it. Well, thank we, you. We all like having a bit of fun and stuff. Mm. So uh, I think we'll finish up the show with a bit of fever. And uh, this is a bit of P. Lee. So if I've got the buttons oh. correct, um, it should be all go. Never know how much I love you Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get a fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever When you kiss me, fever When you hold me tight Fever In the morning A fever all through the night Sun lights up the daytime, moon lights up the night. I light up when you call my name, and you know I'm gonna treat you right. You give me fever when you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight. Fever in the morning, a fever all through the night. Everybody's Got the fever, that is something you all know Fever isn't such a new thing, fever started long ago Romeo loved Juliet, Juliet she felt the same When he put his arms around her He said, Julie, baby, you're my flame, thou givest fever. When we kiss it, fever with thy flaming youth. Fever, I'm a fire. Fever, yea, I burn forsooth. Captain Smith and Pocahontas. Had a very mad affair When her daddy tried to kill him She said, Daddy, oh, don't you dare Give me fever With his kisses, fever When he holds me tight Fever I'm his missus Daddy, won't you treat him right Now you've listened to my story Here's the point that I have made Chicks were born to give you fever Be it Fahrenheit or centigrade To give you fever When you kiss them fever If you live, you learn Fever Till you sizzle What a lovely way to burn 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 This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.